0: We've got to tell you guys about our friends over at Mile High Green Cross. These guys offer an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products. You can check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head to their website. And they're giving the DNVR family $5 off for purchases of $25 or more. All you have to do is mention this Add, they have a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges, and they pride themselves on customer service and its shows. Every single time you pop in, you will get one-on-one attention with their seasoned sales associates, and they have great prices from $99 pack ounces to V3 hash oil bulk deals. Five cartridges for a hundred dollars they have out the door pricing what they advertise is what you pay and they even accept hyper plus they are extremely quick the average time in and out of the store is just nine minutes so you can just swing by their convenient location at ninth and broadway and go on with the rest of your day once again mention this ad to get five dollars off your purchase of twenty five dollars or more
1: and Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J T Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, Collective hugs. 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon,
0: my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine and Spirits. Davidson's is locally owned and operated with over a 1,000 varieties of beer as well as wines around the world from single malts and rare whiskies as well. They have you covered for all of your alcohol needs. You can download their app today and use code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. That offer ends on January 31st, so be sure to get on it while you still can first 10 to receive 10% off your orders of $25 or more. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are back again after, in many ways, what felt a lot like the same game that the Avs played previously against Pittsburgh, this time against Dallas. They ultimately fall in overtime 3-2. to AJ, I mean, especially in the first half of this game, I thought the Avs played extremely well. It's hard to fault them on that side of things.
1: You know, I I would say that that first period almost sets them up for failure for the rest of the game, yeah. Because it's that dominant, and you're not going to have three periods like that against an NHL team, especially They're a good tr- team like the Stars. Right, like I, they, you outshoot a team. What was I think sixteen to four? Yeah, in shots on goal, uh, they had all the. I had all the scoring chances, all the high danger chances, everything. Everything was in Colorado's favor. Uh two of those shots on goal were dump ins from the uh from the stars. Right. One of them from outside the blue line and one of them from just inside, where they were just like tossed the puck in and then they went to change. And those counted as shots on goal because Grubauer pushed them into the corner. Like it was a dominant period. And they had they they were up 2 nothing. I mean they that, that's as good. Good a period as you will play against an NHL team. Right, it doesn't get much better than that.
0: As far as the ABS are concerned, you completely dominated a full twenty minutes of play. You it, something that the ABS had struggled with some is getting that big second goal, particularly in the first period to end a period. They dominated up two instead of you know they give up a late goal and it's two to one, or or they can't get that second goal or anything like that. So it, it really it did go as good as it possibly could have from there. And obviously you expect the game to even out a bit going forward,
1: but the abs would not score a goal for the rest of the game. And that was, I mean, that's their failing. We talked on yesterday's podcast that when you play Dallas, it's a race to three goals. First of yep. three wins. And yep. had they gotten to three, uh, they would have won yesterday at any point when Zdorov, Rang one off the, the the post. It was like the post and the crossbar and went straight down with the strangest bounce ever. Um, had that, I mean,
0: two, they had three posts. They had three posts in the game. nichushkin hit one and Kadri hit one as well. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, you're talking any of those go in, man. Uh, any of those hits the post and goes in like the overtime goal that Dallas scored where that thing was, it was all post and it just bounced in. Right. And, and I mean, that's just – that's the NHL for you. That's the the margin of error that you have uh, in, in the league against good teams. That is hockey,
0: absolutely. It, yeah. It, sometimes the bounces go your way. Sometimes they don't.
1: And, and when I, you're talking about losing the way that they did, that's, that's the difference. That's what matters. Yep. You know, that's – it's the – you know, the – they they ended up with what one legitimate power play yesterday? Maybe two, just the one. I think the other one was like that four the seconds four second right? one. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't remember if it was one or two, but yeah, it was just one one legitimate power play. And I mean, it, those things can all make the difference uh, in in the game for you. And when you lose the special teams battle, like they did. Um, That allows the team to overcome getting beat up at 5v5. Like Dallas got crushed at 5v5 last night. Yeah, the game. There's no
0: argument to to the contrary. At 5v5. Every single metric, the Avs were better at 5 on 5, every single one.
1: Including goals.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the the Avs won the 5 on 5 battle pretty clearly, even in the later periods when the game did even out some. Especially in the second at five on five, the abs were the significantly better team. It's just they got crushed on special teams and and really they only gave up the one power play goal. But when you use the eye test, when you talk about the other goal they gave up that ultimately got brought back, especially on that PK side, they got picked apart.
1: I mean, it's the same goal. Uh, The disallowed goal and the goal that did uh, the Guryanov goal that ultimately counted was the same goal pretty much the
0: identical seam pass yeah
1: it was yeah they they allowed that royal road pass uh, right through right right through the middle of the ice right in front of your goaltender they allowed it twice uh they got lucky on the actual goal though because Gurionov had to collect himself and had to get himself in position he had to do all the things necessary to give grubauer time to come over and then still fail to make the save
0: yeah it's I mean, we've been having the conversation about the special teams for a long time now on on both sides, whether it be the power play's failings to score goals or the consistent downtrend of this penalty kill as as it starts to hurt the Avs more and more and more. What uh, We've talked on the power play side about the systemic issues of it. How about this penalty kill side? What is the easiest fix to this
1: right now? There isn't. I, OK, so I, I mean, I've 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 said this before on this podcast. It's broken, man. It so needs, it's it just needs, complete overhaul. There's no recovering it. It needs a new it needs a new coach with uh, a new idea on how to play because it's not successful when it has been successful. It is relied entirely on. Goal tending to be great. Because it's all about trying to keep pucks to the perimeter, uh, trying to uh, not let them set up shop in front. Uh, they they allow somebody to stand in front and screen the goaltender, but they don't they don't actively look to take that guy away. They don't actively look to take the stick away. And it's all about the goalie making the initial save and then winning the battle after that. It's a terrible system. It's not, it's and, and it's proven over time. It's not good. Nolan Pratt should not be avid should not continue to be running the unit at the end of the season. It's that I mean he, you get you get so many years to prove that you know what you're doing in this league. And Nolan Pratt, he had the one year where the power play had like the greatest, one of the greatest like home seasons of all time where the Avs power play was like 92% in Pepsi center or something or the, the penalty kill. I'm sorry. Uh, Beyond, beyond that, man, it hasn't been any good. It it, it just hasn't. It's been in the twenties every single year that he's been the coach. It's only been bad news bears. Um, And it continues to be, it's, it's done. He doesn't know how to coach a, a penalty kill.
0: I I struggle to put up any argument with that as the Avs power play and penalty kill numbers just continue to dwindle. They have not right. been trending in the right direction for a long time this season. So, oh,
1: man. I mean, ever since uh, after the first month of the season, it's been only downhill from there. Right. And I have I have tried time and time again to find the positives here, but... You know, I I try to at least be consistent in, in the way that I analyze things and results matter and process matters and neither one of them are getting it done. There's no underlying number that says the penalty kill is any better than it looks. It's a the- bad unit. It's a bad unit that's costing them games on a regular basis. They are They are tasked with playing perfectly because they cannot rely on that unit to get them out of it. I mean last night they only had to kill two real real power plays. They got they got credit of of killing two out of three. One of those lasted 4 seconds. Yep. And they couldn't do it. And and I mean you go back you go back to the Rangers game um couldn't 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 do it then either. It's
0: it's brutal. I, there's only one other team in the playoffs in the Western Conference that has a worse penalty kill than the Abs, and that's the faltering heavily Winnipeg Jets. So it, it shows you where that trend will take you right now. The reason yeah, I mean, the Nashville Winnipeg Predators two points
1: behind Colorado, right?
0: They're they're right there with Colorado, and a lot of the reason because of that is a terrible penalty kill from the both of them is part of why they're not competing for second or potentially even first in the Western conference right now. And it's a, it's a struggle. The reason Nashville has struggled a lot this year is their special teams as a whole. Their power play is also brutal, but their penalty kill is awful. 73% on the penalty kill for Nashville. That just is not acceptable. It's not good enough.
1: Right. Too hard to overcome that. You have to dominate. At 5v5 to overcome losing the special teams battle every single night. Yep. I mean, dominate and not like process dominate. You have to also result dominate. You have to score three goals at at even strength every single night. That's really hard to do.
0: It is. It's extremely difficult. You know, you're talking about. On most nights, you're putting yourself in a one goal hole at least by losing the special teams
1: battle. Exactly. Some nights it's two goals. It's imagine the start of the night. You walk into the game and it's all you're already down one nothing because you're going to lose the special teams battle. Yep, that's all right. That's and, and and then that means even if you even if you win it, even strength last night like the Avs did before three on three, you go two and one. You you win even strength against a super low scoring team 2 to 1 you do exactly what you want and that gets them to overtime and then you're in 3 on 3 which is a whole other ball game yep it's It's
0: tough, and it makes me want to drink. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They have any number of types of beer that you can enjoy when the Avs are struggling on their penalty kill or power play. Whether it be the appropriate Colorado Avalanche Amber Ale or something easier, maybe the Oatmeal Stout, maybe you're an agave wheat fan. Doesn't matter. They have a beer for you, and you can find them at your local Davidson's or any local liquor store and keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar on the DNVR so you can come and drink away your sorrows with the DNVR crew while watching the Avs. I do want to talk a little bit more here before we get out of this first period. The Avs really only scored one goal in this game, if we're being honest. While they did dominate, the first goal they scored was essentially an own goal by Miro Haskinen.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So... McKinnon had assists on both goals. That's great news, but why are they struggling so hard to put the puck in the back of the net, especially against this Dallas team? Is it just Ben Bishop? Is it just a little bit of that luck we talked about with hitting posts or, or
1: I think it's both man. I mean, Ben Bishop has been a top three goaltender this season. Fair. He's been, he's been superb and he owns Colorado. I mean, I, I, I don't know that it, Hey, it's it's so hard to say, oh, you just got to beat the goalie. You know, I, I think that and I put this in my takeaways last night um, or the grades. I wrote both, so I'm not sure which one it ended up in. But uh, I think that McKinnon got a little in his own head a little bit last night Yeah, and was trying to avoid going high glove on Bishop. And was trying to go five hole because we saw him try it multiple times. McKinnon doesn't score a lot of goals there. That's not nope. that's not his bread and butter. That's not, you know, I I think it's good for him to do it because opposing goaltenders need to stay honest. Yeah, but for the most part, goalies goalies are coming down and they're expecting him to go high glove because that's where he has scored a ton of his goals the last several years. Yep. I mean, and, I, you know, I mean he, he scored, what, 80 goals the last two years combined? Right. The, and he's on pace for another 40-plus this year. And a lot of those go high-glove. Like, be who you are, man. There's a balance there, right? Yeah, sure, the league has
0: the scouting report that McKinnon likes to go high-glove, but he's so good that he'll just score there anyway.
1: Exactly. So – Guys know it, that he wants to go high-glove, and he still does it to him on a regular basis. So, and, and again, like, this is a, a, a quote-unquote criticism. It's not even really that, but a, a criticism, for lack of a better term, uh, that, that that applies really in hindsight because yeah. he didn't score five-hole. If he scores five-hole, I'm not going to be like, oh, he should have gone glove. But, sure, and-
0: context is always important there with these podcasts of it's a lot easier to make these decisions often after the game is over, but
1: yeah. Well, and especially after you see the goalie makes the stop on the one and you're like, okay, well you stop that one, try something else. Yeah. (laughs) So no, I, I just think that, um, again, a small criticism, but might've gotten a little in his own head on that one. Um, because I know that the, the scouting report on Bishop is, uh, not to go glove on him, and uh, we saw uh, ranted in trying to go high on the backhand a number of times uh, on Bishop's blocker side, and so I'm I'm thinking that that was kind of their plan of attack and shooting at him was don't don't mess around with the glove if you're going to go high go high on the other side, uh, otherwise uh, tipped pucks which is two tipped pucks got their found their way through them. That's, that's yep. how you beat him. Uh, Don't let if, him
0: see it. Don't let him get square, basically.
1: Exactly. And you take his eyes away and you shoot from distance. It's, it's hard to track that. Uh, and I think that's why we saw uh, every Colorado defenseman, uh, except Kale McCarr, had shots on goal last night. And... Um, you know, Cole, Gerard, Zadorov, and Johnson all had at least three. Yep. It was a shooting gallery from that back end. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I also think that the lack of right handed shots in, in Colorado's forward core is hurting them right now because we saw Ranton in on the backhand a number of times, Borkowski, Kadri, Landis Gog, all on the left side. Um, the Chushkid Calvert all on the left side when they took those shots.
0: Um it's just not a good enough shooting angle. He
1: he picked it up. Yep. Um, and there wasn't there wasn't anything that and then he settles into a groove and he's stopping essentially the same shot over and over and over, and it never looks any different. Right. Um, it's all left handed shots coming from the left side. It's not guys, you know, it's not there's not a different look for him. Um, pucks coming off different blades at different angles, it's just the same thing over and over and over. And I think that that's it makes it just a, it's it's little things like that that can add up to a guy like Bishop who's been unbelievable this year. Um, again, you know, I think he's and he's got like a nine thirty save percentage. I think last night pushed him into nine thirty. It it all, all those little things add up to. Yeah, exactly what we saw and Dallas sweeping the abs in the season series. Yeah,
0: it certainly has been a bit of a struggle in the Central Division for the Avs, but we will talk about that a little bit more in the second period. And while things have been a bit up and down for the Avs, we do have some exciting new content coming here at DNVR, as we are now covering Colorado's professional rugby team, the Colorado Raptors. Reporter Colton Strickler is taking you inside the locker room with the DNVR Raptors podcast, and you can find his written Raptors content right on our site with the rest of of our coverage. Of course, you can also join the amazing team community on the DNBR Raptors Twitter account to get a daily look at what Colorado Rugby is all about. These guys have an opportunity to be really great this year, and we're really excited to take you on the journey. If you didn't know, the Raptors play at Infinity Park in Glendale, just east of Cherry Creek, and beyond checking out our coverage, should really go down there and watch a game. It's an awesome venue full of amazing fans and a great Great price as well. Kids are getting in for just five bucks right now when you buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com. Search for the DNVR Raptors podcast after our show and give Colorado rugby a shot. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I am Rudo. He is AJ. We are talking the abs as they try to figure out the bit of a struggle that they've been through. Despite playing well, they are not winning games. And I think one of the key factors a lot of people have picked up on here is Kale Makar is, I don't know if I'd call it a slump, but he certainly looks human over the past handful of games since returning from his injury. He has not been the absurd producer that he was. What can the abs do to help kale McCarr right now? Because before the injury, they ran him out there. They didn't need to shelter him at all. And it does seem like that's something he might be needing at the moment.
1: Uh, I mean, I think number one thing that you look at is probably say, um, the put him back on pb1 right i mean that certainly can't hurt his production you would think (laughs) (laughs) I, i i mean i i know we all feel the way that we feel about the power play but it just seems like the way that they are shuffling those units Uh, it just feels like shooting themselves in the foot right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was going to save this topic for later, but since we just kind of rolled into it, Uh, what are they doing with PP2? Uh, Andre Burakovsky net front makes absolutely zero sense to me.
1: Well, and then Miko Rantanen not wanting to shoot it on the half wall. uh, And Tyson Jost on the other side put Kamenev there. Kamenev has shown a willingness to shoot pucks. Uh, If he has any opening whatsoever Um, and, and Jost hasn't, he's a lot more uh, deliberate in deciding when he wants to shoot. And has he ever beaten a goalie from out there? All of his, all of his goals are him doing dirty work around the net or, you know, punching pucks in, in the, in the area of the net in the immediate vicinity. I, I bet if I if I were to go um, over to Sean Tierney's website and look up his gold chart, the majority of them were within six feet of the net. So having him on, and he's never shown, like, any, like, particular affinity for being a high-level creative passer uh, or playmaker. So having him on that half wall on the second unit just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um uh, I, well, I mean, I think the easy answer is you just put Burakovsky there. But... Sure, put Burakovsky there. Put Caminito there. Either one of those guys, I'm fine with either one, man. Um, and 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 having Miko needs to play with a, m- a more aggressive mindset, and I wonder if that's why he's on that unit, is yeah. because he's being told he needs to play. Uh, he needs to he needs to kind of be the man on that unit. He needs to, it needs to run through him and Kale. I mean, I'm comfortable with Miko needing to step up on the power play a
0: little bit, but... And everywhere still, else. Right. Miko certainly, outside of that one game where he scored a hat trick, has not been the player the you have to need him to be lately, but you have to give him the, the utility options around him as well. Tyson Jost on the other half wall, I don't think is doing a ton for him. Taking Barakowski's shot away as an option by putting him net front, I don't understand either. And this even ends... I understand Don Squay is out, so they do we have to make a couple adjustments, but you have LandisCog working the half wall on PP one. Hey! Excuse me. When <laughs> all I heard was the first half of that. Yeah, I muted it halfway it through. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What's going on? Is he shouting yeah. at somebody? Is there a hurricane in his room?"
0: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't quite get the mute button fast enough to to stop the sneeze fully, but but with LandisCog on the half wall in the top unit, it. The Avs one of the Avs' goals was a tip in by Landeskog at five on five. The disconnect
1: is just strange to me. I it just feels like their power play they they've given they they had a plan and it didn't it didn't work for forty five games and so now they don't have a plan anymore. <laughs> so the plan is just try random and stuff. So they're just rolling out totally mismatched units. With seemingly no uh, no cohesive uh, plan, they—I mean—they don't look like they have one. Um, I—I just—I didn't even hate the power play they had last night. It's and just, nearly scored a goal on it. Yeah, but they just had—it was just one, and it's like, okay, well. That, that's, that's right, that I guess, and
0: you move on, and they end up losing the special teams battle because they didn't get another power play opportunity. <laughs> yeah, um, it's
1: yeah, it's just tough in in that regard right now. But and like, can, it's, it is hard, man. Like when you get you essentially have one power play, you have two minutes and four seconds of man advantage time. Yep, um, and that's all you get. It's hard to be like. Uh, rabble, rabble, rabble. Power play is terrible. It didn't convert on its one opportunity. If you You get
0: the three power play rule, right? You get six minutes of power play time a game. It's a touch on the high side to expect one out of every three. But on most nights, you should be scoring one out of three power plays. So when you only give yourself one opportunity, you're looking at one goal every three games. Yep. And that's, that's on the low side, obviously. That
1: is making it difficult to win hockey games because winning at 5v5 every night is hard to do uh, and does not always pay off. And that means your PK has to be perfect. Right. Exactly. And you also,
0: if you're not drawing power plays, you got to be able to stay out of the box as well. Particularly the abs have taken a few pretty bad penalties lately and, I don't want to get into the ref conversation because –
1: Dude, the ranted in penalty last
0: night? Yeah, exactly.
1: What are you doing? Like Tyson Jost's penalty like – little soft, but like, it is what it is. It's like the – like barely – like it's – I think I tweeted out last night. It was like the barelyest tripping of, of tripping as tripping ever happened. Like he barely nicks that guy's skate and he goes down. And then I have no – I have no objections to the call. That's tripping. But he, like, that's the fine line, right? Like, the, the, he cut that really close trying to make a play. And he ended up clipping the skate just barely. And the guy goes down. Okay. I can live with that one. It's a little bit lazy, but it's in the neutral zone. And you're trying to make something happen. Okay, fine. It sucks, but it's not something he does all the time. And so it's like, okay, it's a, it's it's playing within a, right on the edge. And that's going to happen sometimes. I can live with that. That doesn't bother me. But the Eric Johnson puck over the glass where he had time and yeah, he, he set just it up can't on his stick it. and he just very blatantly just flipped it over the glass. And you're just like, as much as I hate that stupid-ass rule, that's the rule. You can't do that. It's so avoidable. And then ranting him like, why are you slow-footing this guy? Like, I I don't know, man. I, I was so frustrated by that because – that's the part of Miko's game that has always driven me crazy is that he takes these totally random, inexplicable penalties and uh does them in the does it in the offensive zone and, and it always hurts his team. And you're just like, dude, like what are you doing? You just, you just totally can't have it in the offensive
0: zone. But it, it, especially as you are quickly learning as a team, that your penalty kill is a bit of a disaster right now. You have to find ways to keep yourself away
1: from killing penalties. And like, this is exactly the formula for letting a team back in the game. Yep. Because they they were mechanic. They weren't really in it. Uh, and Colorado had, they were off to a very good start. And when they got the goal disallowed, they killed that penalty off just fine. Um, they only honestly gave up like a shot or two. Um, I'm not sure which ones ended up counting and which ones not because of the clock and all that. But um, they really didn't seed very much on that first one once the goal was disallowed. Yeah, it I mean, was just that one bang, bang play. And then they were able to repeat it. And that was my frustration. But it, it was like they were not in the game at 5v5 and you weren't that worried about it. And really, like, they got one bang-bang goal. Colorado got hemmed in their own zone. They made a series of bad decisions. And it, that, that one really bad sequence ends up burning them. And it just feels like every mistake is in the back of your net, right? Otherwise, they played a really good game. And then the overtime goal, you know, I saw a bunch of people win. Is McKinnon going to learn how to play defense? Oh, why can't he do that? I mean – that dude went for a he blocks it, and that puck bounces right to Essa Lindell. Yep. Because if that if that puck takes a different bounce, it's behind Lindell, and Nathan McKinnon has a clean breakaway the other direction. And we're not sitting here talking about, you know, oh, McKinnon's so bad defensively. Like McKinnon blocks the pass. He was aggressive. He jumped out in that in that passing lane, got in the way, did exactly what you wanted. The puck just didn't bounce their way. I mean, it,
0: uh, this might be a bit of a sidetrack, but if you look at outside of three on three, especially, this has been Nathan McKinnon's best defensive season of his career by far. He's, he's been significantly better in the defensive zone, so I don't buy into that talk at all.
1: And and, and like the the three v three play, like I again, I don't have a strong problem with it. You know, you lose the opening faceoff. You're not going to have a lot of possession, and then when they did get it, Natchukin made an aggressive move. And you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be upset about a guy making an aggressive move towards the net like that. Uh, it just didn't work out. And if if they could get Philip Grubauer to make a goddamn save, this isn't a problem. I mean.
0: Yeah, I, Grubauer has got to win him a game. We talked about not I mean, only is it not first even to three win him a
1: game, man. I mean, he, he did not get asked to do very much last night. He didn't have to make a handful of spectacular saves. The defense in front of him was rock solid. The first goal goes right through him. The second, the the second goal, um, it's a rebound, and he definitely needs more help on that one. He definitely needs more help. Yeah. That was Kadri. a team white breakdown, and I'm not – and Kadri, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. Totally controller disconnect. But, like, this third goal, he just gets beat cleanly. I mean – It's a high-quality chance. Don't get me wrong. But Essel F that, man. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. Make a goddamn save. I I are you, don't are, is disagree. The, is, the but... guy, is the guy gonna win you a Stanley Cup or not? Because there's only so many. I mean, you're gonna give up scoring chances. You're gonna give up scoring chances. It just it just happens. It's too hard. In the On A shot
0: that goes post and in in, in you, overtime,
1: though. I pay, I just don't know if you
0: can put it there.
1: You pay a guy to make a big save why is it that we keep seeing every big save gets made at the other end but a Colorado goaltender can't do it
0: I mean as much as that's make a save on the other
1: end on the other end of the ice you gotta finish too you gotta be you able to score a big goal hundred percent agree with you I'm not saying that that's not true the entire bottom six has disappeared Belmar Calvert Nieto nothing Tyson Jost has gotten even worse. Kamenev obviously isn't getting anything done. He's very much just a replacement-level player. As much as I like the little flashes we see from him, the, the, he hasn't been any serious threat to score in any of his games. JT Comfer was the only guy in the bottom six last night that that was offensively dangerous. Um, Matt, I mean, Matt Calvert had some opportunities, but, like, I'm not expecting Matt Calvert to beat Ben Bishop cleanly very often. I'm, you know, but again, that's half your forward lineup. Miko Rantanen is totally ghosted. Gabe Landeskog no longer has playmaking ability. You know, it's like Nathan McKinnon is doing everything. Andre Burkovsky, for as much as everybody wants to come down on Tyson Joston and, and like, his one goal in 35 games or whatever. Andre Burakovsky, I think, has three goals since the start of December. And I think all three of them came in the first week of December. Right. Like, the, you need help. You got to put the fuck in the back of the You went out and got all these guys. They have to start burying chances. Okay, great. You guys had an amazing two months. You've come back down to earth a little bit. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you can go bone dry for eight weeks. Right. You've got you've to gotta do your job. You can't keep relying on defensemen to score for you. Asking Kyle McCarr to be spectacular night in and night out, it's too soon for that. He's still a rookie. He's still a kid. He's still trying to figure it out day to day. In two years from now, sure, you expect him to be a night in, night out superstar like the way McKinnon is now but it's not there yet for, for, for kale. You know, it, they don't, I, it's so frustrating, man, because that all that, the all of that secondary scoring dries up, disappears at the same time as the goalies can't make a save.
0: Right. I do think that's part of the problem is the highs, the high super high highs are great, but does it really matter if you can't temper the lows when everything's clicking it's easy to, to watch the team and, and see that they win. But when things are going wrong, the team has to learn how to, how to temper the problems. They need to get pieces of it going. It can't be everything on or everything off.
1: You have to grind out and find ways to make this happen. And, you know, in 82-game season, it's not always going to work that way. You're not always going to get that. That's okay. I understand that at an 82-game season is a long time and that you have to go through. You're going to go through these kinds of lulls. It's totally natural. I am I am fine with being patient. I'm not trying to fire anybody. I'm not trying to trade guys away. I get it. It's fine. I'm cool with that. At the same time, you're a professional. This is your career. Do your job. Do your job. As Nathan McKinnon
0: would say. I, um make a save, man. Yeah. All right. Well. We'll take our second period break here. And maybe you are someone who likes to eat away the sadness. And if that is your type of thing with the Avs, well, AJ, we got to hit up Bojo's then because – They have uh, an amazing true Colorado mountain pie for everyone in the Denver and Colorado area to eat. It's your favorite locally owned legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint Bojo's. And they're giving the DNVR family a free honey cheese bread with a purchase of an entree. It's the only place you can find the true Colorado mountain mouthwatering pie. And they have hooked us up here at DNVR. So take advantage of it while you still can. They also have a ton of other options when you go, whether it's their huge salad bar with fresh veggies or Colorado beer on tap. Breckenridge Brewery included, and they have plenty of TVs to follow your favorite sports team. So if the abs do give up another PK goal, you can just grab another slice of pizza and put it out of your mind. They even have private party rooms if you're planning an event and $4 happy hours in select locations. So head to the nearest location, grab an entree and your free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR, and also check out their website, bojos.com. That's B-E-A-O-J-O-S dot com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I am Rudo. He is AJ. We talked the other day about the Vegas Golden Knights and Gerard Gallant, and we came to the conclusion that the writing was probably on the wall for him, and, um... Yeah, safe to say that was definitely the case, as he is now no longer a head coach in the NHL. Vegas very aggressively moving on from Gallant. As much as this might be the writing on the wall for Gallant, they ended up hiring Pete DeBoer. AJ, how much do you think availability
1: of another NHL coach was part of that move for Vegas? I think it certainly makes it easier. If there's no Pete DeBoer, Peter Laviolette out there on the market right now, um, where's the where's the rush to, right, to make this move right? Where's the sense of urgency to make it because it's like, hey, we recognize that maybe this isn't working with Gallant, but there isn't a better option. Having a guy that they were very clearly comfortable with in Pete DeBoer. Uh, I think makes life easier when they want to, uh, when when they want to make a change like that, and you know the now with Gerard Gallant out there, who's been a very very successful head coach, Laviolette as well and, sitting and around obviously Laviolette who I think has gone to the Stanley Cup Finals with three different franchises. Um, there are options. Yeah. There are two guys sitting out there right now. Where, if you feel like maybe you don't have the right guy in place for your organization, there are some guys in place.
0: Yeah, I I do think that'll be interesting to see how things play out with some of these teams. L.A. Perhaps, maybe. Oh, I so a lot of the other ones have already replaced their uh, their coaches, but maybe somewhere like Detroit, depending on, on how they feel about their rebuild
1: status. Well, and how those guys would feel about taking that job. There's that too. That certainly. And you had a track record like uh Gallant or Laviolette where you're, you're not worried. Like you're not sitting around like, Oh, am I qualified for an NHL job. You know, like, you know, you're going to get another NHL job eventually. Yeah. Um, why would you want to go to detroit like why would that even be on your list of things that you would be willing to do that's
0: that's very true it's and nhl coaching is very much i don't know if i want to call it an old boys club but experience oh, is, I mean, it is list number 1 right if you've had an nhl coaching job your odds of getting another one are infinitely higher than than if not So the very few opportunities for new coaches to come in, our teams like Detroit. That's how Jared Bednar got to got to break in with the avalanches. They were a struggling team. No one knew they were going to be a 48 point team, but they were Mm -hmm. a team that wasn't making the playoffs that needed an immediate coaching replacement in the middle of the off season. So that's the kind of scenarios that it takes at times to get fresh faces in as a head coach in the NHL.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we've seen a lot of those organizations. Um, that's where they get their opportunity. You know, the uh, Colorado, Vancouver, Anaheim last year with Dallas Eakins. You know, um, even Detroit when they they hired uh, Jim Montgomery.
0: Yep. Or you can just pick an ex-player like Patrick
1: Waugh or... Brindmore in Carolina, but yeah, I mean Toronto. Uh, when they hired Babcock, yep, they were viewed as like big time up and comers, right? Um, yeah, so I I think it's you know Buffalo's kind of been doing that for a while. They they recycle those. They they go through like the the hot candidates like crazy.
0: Yeah definitely there's I'm it's pretty normal it's it's not unlike the uh the backup goalie market where you just take the known quantities and and pick one
1: (laughs) right or you you know the the backup goalie market like you're looking for a starter okay let's start with a backup let's start with the good backups around the league you're looking for a head coach all right let's start with the good AHL guys yep so I mean it makes perfect sense it it does it does it's
0: it, the thing about it, especially with the recent moves that that these teams have made, is you can't realistically go out and get a brand new head coach in the middle of a season, right? It, to Just based on the work that you have to do, researching these guys, interviewing head coaches, in the middle of January when your team is playing games and you have an interim head coach, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And I think that's where you and I are both at when it comes to these The special team coaches. We've talked about, you know what, Nolan mm-hmm. Pratt, Ray Bennett really have not done a good enough job. But what are the other options out there right now for the Avs?
1: Yeah, who's, who is unemployed? Which assistant coaches are unemployed uh, right now in January that are going to come in and they're going to help your, your club out? right
0: exactly they the and I mean you don't you could take a shot in the dark on someone and essentially yeah. reset your power play in the middle of the season, but you have no idea what's going to come out of that.
1: Well, and you're not you want to talk about we talked about practice time um, I, I guess if you're gonna do it now is the time because you're about to go on this big break uh, and then when you come back you have a couple of days to try to install that. And then you play every other day, you won't have practice time to install that kind of system system and then tighten any of the screws. You're four months behind the rest of the league. Yep. So it's, and and it's, there isn't a good answer here because the alternative is, Oh, we'll just keep running with a system that's not working. And it's like, well, that's obviously not a good option either. (laughs) It's a lose-lose, basically. It, I mean, you're in a situation. Sometimes in life, it happens. You end up in spots where there's no, there's no good out. And you just got to make it
0: work with what you it, got. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Sometimes you just you got to dance with the ones that brung you. There you go. It's pretty straightforward,
0: and there's no reason, as we've talked about many times, that a roster with talent like Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Nazem Kadri, Gabe Landisgog, mm-hmm. can't make any power play system work to at least a certain extent.
1: Yeah, and I'm to me, I'm way more worried about the PK than I am the power play.
0: Perfectly fair argument, as you get on that PK side, and... <clears throat> your talent can't carry you as much when it comes to a penalty kill right
1: if the if the abs had a dominant power play a top five power play that was nasty right they would be an extremely difficult out night in and night out because they do win the 5v5 battle more often than not and if they were winning the special teams battle at least one nothing, or at, even if they were, if their power play was good enough to negate how bad their power, penalty kill is, and they were going evens at special teams every night, then that means you're relying on, yeah, five five five. Five. I I think that's, that's great.
0: Is one half of your special teams has to be good enough. It it doesn't need to be both every single night, but you can't have both of them being terrible either.
1: Yeah, and if I if I had to pick one, I would pick not giving up the free goal on the PK. I would take the dominant PK over the dominant power play. Because I think that 5v5, the abs are just good enough. I think that they are good enough uh to to sustain. If they if they could guarantee that they would at minimum break even in the special teams battle every night, uh I think that they are they are good enough at five v five to to get through it. I mean, if you look
0: at their last handful of games, other than the Islanders game, they led the Pittsburgh game to nothing. They led the New York Rangers game to nothing. Obviously, they led against the Devils and the Blues. They went on to win those games. Mm-hmm. The Avs have led or t- been tied in the vast majority of these games that they've lost least recently. So scoring more goals is great. But. It's more straightforward if they just don't give up the goals when they already have the lead. Yep. Just get
1: your run prevention, uh, your goal prevention down. Yep. That's it.
0: We said last episode
1: the Avs really needed
0: to go 3-1-1 and one on that stand On this homestand, they are now 0-0-2. They could still go 3-0-2, though, but that would require winning all three games remaining. Great. Do it. No excuses, just got no, to put go up and, and do it. it.
1: man. All right, um, there you go. San, San Jose, St. Louis, and Detroit isn't exactly a gauntlet. That's just, I mean, two of those games are basically must-wins. You have to win those two games. You have to beat San Jose and Detroit. Those are bad teams. You got to take advantage of them. Uh, smoke those fools. And then St. Louis, I mean, for all the reasons why them winning that last game was big, still apply. So
0: it, it really is
1: it the abs
0: need to at least win the two and realistically if they want to feel confident about their position in the central division they should win all three of these games going into the break. And if they do that, I think the fan base should be feeling pretty confident. If they lose two of them, if, heaven forbid three,
1: it's going to be a bit chaotic. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if they lose all of them in overtime, they will have at least gotten five of 10 points on the homestand. And that's not very good, but it could have been a whole hell of a lot worse. Um, right. Because, you know, the the thing that, that I always have to remind myself is that wins don't really matter. Uh, it's standings points is what they use to determine. Five overtime losses is five hundred hockey. And, right. and it feel like it because of the losses, but it is. And when you're talking about the last two games that they've lost in overtime, um, two out of four points is one win. It's the exact same thing as if you'd won one in regulation and lost one in regulation. Uh so two overtime losses is is a win. Uh in in the way that the standings are. And doesn't Doesn't feel good. Losing sucks. It's not fun. Uh, it's frustrating because you always think about what, what you left behind, what could have been. Um, but the reality is, is that they got two standings points. That's that's the same as a win from those two games.
0: Yeah, I, uh, an OT loss is infinitely better than a regulation loss. Certainly, <laughs> so. Yeah it could be worse as well even though it's
1: hard to focus on that side of things but yeah and i mean like all right so they've blown well, again leads but uh getting to overtime they didn't give up that other goal the second goal against carolina the third goal against chicago you know they didn't give up that that last goal against minnesota the fifth one you know they they avoided that until overtime where they got the point had they had they avoided giving up that that one extra goal in each of those games and they got to overtime in each of those games that I just named I mean they have three more points right now they're in second place in the central if they just got those extra points yeah they're in second they're in second place in the central and they are what like six seven points up on the 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 playoff race so um, points getting points is still important. It, it may not be fun. You may not like it. Uh, doing it via OTLs, and they're not going to make the playoffs, losing every game in overtime. I mean, they might. Uh, I don't think. I don't think there's enough left for them to lose every to lose them like thirty eight points. There's thirty six
0: games left. Thirty six. So they'd have 92. So they might like squeak in in a wild card spot if they lost out in OT.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's not test that theory. I mean, <laughs> get them back on the winning track. Uh, they have to win. Certainly, they have to. They have to walk out of this uh, home stand at least with two wins. Yeah,
0: I I would say so. And going 500 should be a disappointment. On a homestand like this, yeah.
1: To for them to, if they end up finishing two one and two, um, it will be acceptable, but not. Um, that's that's keeping you're keeping pace. You're not passing anyone. That's all you do is keep pace at six points, right?
0: That honestly, with the central division being what we know it to be seven points out of 10 is, is kind of the reality that you need to keep pace a lot of the time. Yeah. So that's just what you're staring down the barrel of in the second half of this year. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm good to end it there unless you got something else to add AJ.
1: Nope.
0: All right. So making a save,
1: what would that be AJ making a big save? Uh, Well, at this point it would be game saving. <laughs> It would be
0: game-saving, and that also includes game-changing. So it's time to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so be sure to check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, even help decrease anxiety. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and make a goddamn save. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code DNVR20 at checkout. As always, thank you for listening. The Avs play again tomorrow against San Jose. I imagine we will do a show before the game, so you will hear from us then.